0: Over the past several uh, weeks, we've been hearing Bible passages that teach us more about the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. And the primary work of the Holy Spirit for God's people is to point us to Jesus, to point us to see what Jesus has done and what he's done for us. And so, how can we respond in obedience and thanksgiving and gratitude? The power of the Holy Spirit, as we heard in the children's message as well, the power of the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Holy Spirit leads us. He directs us. He directs us to be active participants in his work as well. So this morning we're going to be reading from Luke 4 where it states that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. And he is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And the context of this story actually is the ministry of Jesus had just begun, and uh, just prior to this story, Jesus was baptized and God had just reaffirmed who Jesus is. In Luke 3:22, God says, "You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased." And these are powerful and awesome words to hear from a father. God loves his son, Jesus. And God's love is expressed before Jesus has done anything, before Jesus has done any miracles, or even before his death on the cross. God loves his son simply because God is gracious. So as we enter into the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 13. And let's come to God in prayer. Father, as we continue to learn more about the Holy Spirit, we learn that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and yet he was still led into the wilderness and into temptation. Lord, bless the reading of this word, and as we listen and learn and understand your grace and how we can respond, we pray for your spirit to be upon us, because we too want to be full of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, a man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He left Jesus until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So at the beginning of this chapter, we read that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. And and Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now the word led in this passage is, is a rather strong word. It's not like the Spirit just pointed to Jesus and said, hey, just head over there to the wilderness. No, the word "led" is more of an active role of the Spirit. The Spirit brought Jesus into the wilderness. He, basically, it's like he carried Jesus to the desert. The Spirit impelled, forced Jesus to go to the wilderness. You can hear then that the Spirit actively sent Jesus to the wilderness. Well, in ancient Israel, and likely today, the wilderness was a wild and dangerous place. I mean, nobody really wants to be wandering in the wilderness. And yet, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into this dangerous wilderness. And in this story, in this wilderness, that's where the temptations occurred. Luke then introduces the reader to the devil. And Jesus was tempted by the devil. Jesus was not tempted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him into the desert, but the temptation came from the devil. And the devil is the accuser. The devil is the one who will try to create false accusations, and he will make lies. At Jesus' baptism, God called Jesus his son. And God said, it's you who I'm so pleased with. And the devil was trying to disprove this statement. The devil was going to try to make this statement false. And so he begins two of the temptations with, if, if you are the Son of God, the devil will lie and put doubts in people's minds. He will put false thoughts and and ideas to try to make these lies into truth. The devil tries to prove that Jesus is not the Son of God. And now we know the end of the story, that the devil fails and and leaves until another opportune time. He'll be back. The story here presents us with the Holy Spirit on one side, and the unholy spirit, the devil, on the other side. And I know from certain television shows in my past, mostly cartoons, you kind of get a picture of a person being confronted with life-impacting decisions. And on one of their shoulders, they have this angelic-looking figure saying, you know, no, no, don't do that. And on the other side, they're saying, yeah, yeah, do that, the, the devil figure. And he's saying, don't listen to the Holy Spirit. The devil's saying, listen to me, do this instead, the Holy Spirit will lead us places. And sometimes those places will be uncomfortable and even dangerous like a wilderness. And people, we will be confronted with choices. Just call this life, right? Today, Matt, you have made a choice. You have made a choice to profess your faith in Jesus. And you've affirmed your baptism where God said at your baptism that you are my son in whom I am well pleased. And today the Holy Spirit has led you to say, you are my Lord and my Savior. Well, let me tell you something. That having obediently responded to your baptism and desiring to follow Jesus, that this puts a big target on you. People of God, when you surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit and you are being obedient to God, and the Holy Spirit has led you to this point, of course, and it may be a wilderness or maybe it's not a wilderness, you are targeted. The devil will take this as an opportune time to produce lies and doubts The devil will ask, if you are the son of God, if you are the daughter of God, and put doubts and lies into our mind. People, when you are obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, whether that is through publicly professing your faith or taking part in the mission of Jesus, you can bet the devil will be present. The devil was present with Jesus immediately after his baptism. And as believers, we will not be exempt from temptations in the wilderness. And God will use these times. He will use these as teachable moments. And a season in which followers can grow in their faith. And grow in their trust and dependence on God. So temptations are not an unholy thing. It's how we respond to the temptations that make it either holy or unholy. What is the outcome of the temptation? Will we surrender to the temptation? Or will we surrender to the Spirit at work in our lives and become stronger for it? It's in James 1, uh, James chapter 1, 13 to 15, we read this about temptations. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Temptation, desire, sin, death. Temptation doesn't derive from God. God. God may lead somebody in the wilderness. In fact, God may even test his people at times. But God does not test or tempt for evil purposes. The devil, on the other hand, tempts us for purposes of evil. The devil's goal is to minimize our relationship with God. The devil's goal is to remove our dependence and our trust in God. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer is a target. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us, to direct us towards God's will, even when we are being tempted by the devil. So let's take a closer look at the temptations that occur in this passage. And and the Holy Spirit can teach us and what we can apply to our lives. So in this passage, um, Jesus is Luke tells us that Jesus is confronted with three temptations. And these temptations can be summarized as the temptations of performance, possession, and popularity. This alliteration actually comes from a book titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Schizero. So performance, possession, and popularity. There are three areas that Jesus was tempted with, but three areas in our lives that could easily pull us further and further from our relationship and dependence with God. The first temptation has to do with performance. So this temptation attempts to answer, what I am is determined by what I do. What I am is determined by what I do. Luke 4, verse 3, Satan says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God... Tell this stone to become bread. Satan uses this if statement twice in this passage again. If you are the son of God. The devil is tempting and creating doubt that Jesus is the son of God. It was mentioned that this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was about 30 years old. And again, what, he has, what has he performed to reflect that he is the son of God? Very little that we're aware of. No miracles yet. No ministry yet. Yet God has done some amazing things throughout Scripture. I mean, we, we see God at work, the Trinity at work through creating the world and, and then God sending the Messiah. But the devil is asking, Jesus, what have you done lately? You see, the devil tempts people with success, achievements, usefulness, performance. The question that we often ask ourselves when we meet people, and, and it's a kind of a early conversation, and we're kind of just breaking the ice, and you say, so, hey, so what do you do? Now, this may be a question of interest, but we often, we often we get measured and measure ourselves according to our performance. What do you do? And if you haven't done all that you've set out to do, or maybe those around you have intended for you to do by their standards then we begin to think that maybe somehow we failed. Jesus did not surrender to the devil's pressure. I mean Jesus could have easily have turned the stones into bread. He did similar miracles later in ministry changing 5 loaves of bread and 2 fish into feeding 5000 men and then women and children on top of that. Jesus easily could have done this. But this wasn't God's will. And Jesus knew God's will and he knew God's word. Jesus had just been told that you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased. This was good enough for Jesus. So people are these words good enough for you? Are you seeking to outperform one another and maybe race to the top? Are we seeking to maybe perform even for God? Maybe you're thinking, if you do this enough, people will love you. Or if you do this enough, God will love you. Do you find value in yourselves simply being God's child and loved immensely by God? I hope so. Or do you have trouble with that and you find value in your performance, in your success? And don't get me wrong, Christians can live holy and successful lives simultaneously, but when we allow our success to give us value and to give us our identity, that's when we've fallen for the temptation of performance. And that temptation will pull people further and further from a relationship with God. Too often, people find value in our performance than what, rather than who God designed us to be: His son, his daughter, his children. Society screams, you are loved because you perform well. Here's your bonus. You pitched a scoreless game. We love you. Here's your bonus. Oh, you were the MVP at the Stanley Cup game. We love you, and here is your bonus. God says, you're loved because you're my child. No bonus, but we have an inheritance, People, don't be tempted by performance. Don't be tempted by what I am is determined by what I do. Second temptation. So we have performance. Now we have second temptation, possession. And this temptation suggests to answer, what I am is determined by what I have. Luke 4, verse 7, Satan says, if you worship me, it will all be yours. The devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, and Jesus can possess all these kingdoms. Now, again, Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry. And from a material perspective, Jesus really had nothing. And Satan here is offering him everything. All the security in the world was right at his fingertips. If Jesus were just to fall down and worship the devil... I think too often we, we too are measured by what we own. And Scripture is pretty clear in other parts of Scripture that um, possessions tend to be temptations. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says you can't serve both God and money, but Satan says, worship money, and this can all be yours. Satan offers what appears to be the easy road, and I'm going to suggest that worshiping money is a lot easier than worshiping God. And it is, for many of us, wealthy North Americans. And we are wealthy. Don't think that we're not being tempted to worship our possessions. We're so privileged that in many cases we've created our possessions to become things that we need. And we don't even realize it. Advertising agencies spend billions of dollars each year with the goal of seducing mostly young people to make young people believe that what they want that what they want is really what they need now young people are targeted and likely that means that us older folks have already been seduced and believe this society screams to us you are loved because you are rich with money and materials god says you are loved because you're my child Let's not be tempted by what I am is determined by what I have. Third temptation, performance, possessions, and now popularity. Third temptation is popularity, and popularity suggests what I am is determined by what others think of me. Luke 4 9 to 10, Satan said, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. If Jesus threw himself down from the highest spot and he's saved, people would believe in him. He'll become popular. Throw yourself down from this mountain. People will really believe that you are the Son of God. God. You see, we allow others to determine who we are rather than recognize ourselves as God's son or God's daughter, chosen, holy, deeply loved. But we're tempted to think, who cares about being chosen or holy or even deeply loved by God? These things don't make us popular, especially today. We're led to believe that it's embarrassing to be a Christian, or at least to make our faith known. Many of us place great importance on what others think of us. And there might be some of you who say, no way, I-, I couldn't care less what others think about me. Maybe. But I think, seriously, most people care. In a classroom or a learning environment, or maybe in a, a Bible study, people who ask a question or, or they may actually not ask the question for fear of what others think. But if you do have the nerve to ask the question, how often won't we put that qualifier in front of the question? This might be a stupid question, but you care. Many people will not pray in public because of what others will think about their prayer. People, prayer is talking to God, so talk to God in front of others. God knows what you want to say. That's the most important thing. We care about hearing compliments. We care what others think about us. We all want to be popular. And as a result, often we'll live a life of pretend, especially when we're around other Christians, especially at church. We hide our insecurities, and hopefully nobody sees us for really who we are. We put our masks on. I've been waiting to use that one. (laughs) We put our masks on. We would rather appear popular before others than actually be holy before God. We live our lives trying to please people rather than please God. Society screams at you, you are loved only if you do this for me. And you respond, sure, okay, I want to be popular. And God says to you, you are loved And I did this for you. We are special. We are special in God's eyes. We are loved. We have value because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. God says you are loved simply because of his amazing grace. People of God, the Holy Spirit leads us to different places. But wherever we are led, we're led to be holy. And this passage tells us to be on guard and resist the temptations of performance, possessions, and popularity. Be aware of these areas in which the devil tempts us to weaken our relationship with our triune God. I can't, I'm almost tempted to end it there, but I just can't. Um, Because Sylvia gave us an example as well as to how can we know when we're tempted, or what can we do, right? What can we do to resist temptation? And to grow in a life of holiness? Well, first, yeah, look at the Holy Spirit as that fire alarm, right? That smoke alarm. Surrender. Surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are being led by the Spirit. And you will be tempted by the devil. But don't allow yourself to be led by the devil. Know that our fight is not against flesh. It's not against you and me. It's not against one another. Let's not fight with each other because our fight is against the devil and that's hard enough to fight off. And so Jesus says three statements in this passage how we can fight against the devil. I know I already had a three-point sermon. I'm starting the second one right now. It'll be a little shorter though. So he says three statements in this passage. And all three statements from Jesus have to do with deepening our relationship with God. Verse four, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone. This passage of scripture means that we don't only live on physical food, but also spiritual food. We need God's word. We sang that song, right? The B-I-B-I-L-E. B-I-B-L-E. yeah. Use the word of God as Jesus did. The devil knew God's word as well. The devil actually quoted from Psalm 91 in this passage, but he used it incorrectly. And We need to know God's word and to learn to use God's word correctly. Verse 8, Jesus said, It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Keep our focus on the Lord, focus only on God. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to point our eyes and our hearts, our minds, our whole bodies to Jesus, to the cross, to what Jesus has done for us. Jesus was even tempted when he was full of the Holy Spirit. And when we are walking through life, the devil's tempting us, but the Holy Spirit remains with us. So keep our focus on the Lord. Know that God never leaves us alone with the devil. Finally, in verse 12, Jesus states, it says, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test God, but rather trust God. Don't ask things of God in order to see if he is God. Or as the devil said, if you are the son of God, but ask things of God knowing he is God. Knowing that his will be done and that he will provide all that we need. People of God, we are God's children. And God loves us not because of our performance, possessions, or popularity. He loves us because of his grace. We are his sons, his daughters, in whom he is well pleased. Surrender to the Spirit and surrender to God all that his Son has done for you. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bless you and we praise you for your amazing grace and love. We thank you for the filling of the Holy Spirit in us and the Spirit's continued presence in our lives. And may we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit and always keep our eyes on Jesus. Forgive us for when we fall into temptations